Welcome to The Word at First Pres, the official podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. I am Pastor T.C. Anderson. My sermon is about something that I think we are misusing throughout the country, and that's the church. The title of the sermon is, That's Not What That's For. Our first reading is from Exodus 35, verses 1 through 3. Moses assembled all the congregation of the Israelites and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy Sabbath of solemn rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwellings on the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teachings. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. This is the word of the Lord. When I was younger, I was obsessed with one particular type of movie. They mostly all involved music and singing. Most of them were animated. They told stories of youthful people getting into amazing adventures. Parents were almost never found in these films. And they all started with a shooting star arcing perfectly over a castle. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about Disney. I loved Disney movies. Shoot, I still really enjoy Disney movies. I can basically sing you any song from any Disney movie at any point, but I will spare you from that for now. (laughs) While growing up, and maybe even still today, my sister's favorite Disney movie was The Little Mermaid, which means it was on heavy rotation in our household. So much so that we wore out the VHS of it. You see, kids, a VHS is a cassette tape with movies on it. You see, kids, a cassette tape is what music came on before you were born. Anyway, how many of you in here have seen The Little Mermaid? Beautiful, because I want to have a pop quiz right now with you. What is this in real life? Right, and what's it for? Yeah, eating food. But in The Little Mermaid, what is this called? Wow, yes, a tingle hopper. You guys are good. And what is it for? That's right. All right, maybe a little harder one. What is this in real life? And what's it for? Yeah, smoking. Everyone's like, smoking. That is correct, it is for smoking. But in the movie, what is it called? 
Wow, impressive. And what's it for? To make music. Who said that? Good job, yes. To make music. You see Scuttle, the seagull that you see there making beautiful music, from The Little Mermaid tells Ariel what these things are and what they do, but he isn't quite factually correct. Sure, a fork could be used to comb your hair, and it might get the job done in a pinch, but that isn't what it was made for. And I'm sure that some very talented people could make some music out of a smoking pipe, but again, that isn't what it was made for. And in neither situation is it what it would be best used for. As with these examples, I think that there's one big thing in society that we are misusing. And I mean that as literally as possible. Something that we are not using the way that it was intended to be used. And that thing that I'm talking about is the church. Now I want to let you know that I'm talking about the church universal. I'm not specifically picking on or pointing out First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. I'm talking about this specific church later, but trust me, you'll know when that happens. For now, when I say the church, hear the church universal or the universal church. But before I get too into that, I want to share some history with you. And if Alex were here, he would love this because I'm about to talk about World War II. Loosely, but still talk about it. Before World War II, the qualities that were valued most in the society were things like stewardship, resourcefulness, resourcefulness, and thrift. But I know this not because I was alive back then, but because my grandparents told me about it all the time. Now, it seems, like things, tangible, viable things, are valued more than values. Something drastically changed. And how did this happen? Well, after World War II, the government and corporations were trying to figure out how to ramp the economy back up and get our country going again. They were approached by a retailing analyst, Victor Lebeau, and he articulated the solution that has become the norm for all of us in this room now. He said, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need, to cons we need things consumed, burned up, replaced, and discarded at an ever-accelerating rate. Well... Not only did this work in boosting the economy, but it forever changed the way we operate in regards to almost everything in our lives. At its core, consumerism started as a whole new way of buying things. Advertising companies became a huge deal. If you've ever seen the show Mad Men, you know what I'm talking about. Companies started bringing science and formulas into advertising, calculating how long something can last before it breaks, so that you still have trust in that product, but you need to buy a new one. I mean, how many iPhones have come out in the last five years? They started building things that are designed to break or be obsolete in a year or two. In stores, we have 27 different 
products that all relatively do the same thing, but you get to choose which one you think is best. And that's the heart of consumer products, isn't it? You choose what you want. That's why ad companies and products indoctrinate us with commercials and billboards and magazine ads and radio ads. In fact, Media Dynamic Incorporated back in 2014 did a study about how many ads we see a day and concluded the following. The study summarizes the number of ads that adults are now exposed to across all five media, TV, radio, internet, newspaper, and magazine is about 360 per day. That's an average of one ad every four minutes throughout your entire day. All of these ads are there to entice you to buy these products, and all of these products are made so that you have to continue to buy the product, and that's consumerism. President Eisenhower's Council of Economic Advisors chairman said that the American economy's ultimate purpose is to produce more consumer goods. Our ultimate purpose is to produce more consumer goods. This mentality may be good for boosting the economy and getting people to spend their money constantly, and I'm sure it's great for the companies that make the products that we consume. This mentality, however, has seeped into every part of our lives. Trying something, if we don't like it, then we just move on to another thing that's pretty much the same but just a little bit different. If you don't like Sprint, then you can move to AT&T. If you don't like McDonald's, then you can go to Wendy's. If you don't like First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, then you can go to Southminster Presbyterian Church. And here's where I start to have my struggle. When it comes to looking for a home church, you may want a place where the music is good, the preaching is powerful, the people are friendly, the programs are impactful, there are children around, where there's life. And we treat this like we treat everything else. If it doesn't check off every box, then we look somewhere else. After all, we do call it church shopping. But I don't think that the church should be like everything else. I don't think that the church is a consumer product. The church is not meant to be consumed. The church is not meant to be discarded. The church is not meant to be like disposable plates or fast food. The church is not meant to be chosen the same way we choose shampoo. But consumerism isn't totally for, to blame for this, right? I mean, on a base level, there is still personal preference. Even if you take out all advertisements and choices of man-made stuff, strip down to the bare bones of what you need to survive, food, water, and shelter, there is still personal preference for taste. You like eating corn more than you like eating pumpkin. You like strawberries more than blueberries. You like eating meat versus not eating meat. You'd prefer a cave for shelter than a lean-to, especially when it's raining. The river water might be cooler and crisper and cleaner than the lake water. There are still preferences as a part of our decision making, but consumerism takes that and blows it up to a degree that is problematic. Now you're not just choosing between corn and pumpkin, you're choosing between corn from Nebraska or corn from Iowa, or creamed corn, or canned corn, or pumpkin pie, or a pumpkin spice latte, and on and on it goes. 
We choose this church over that one because the organ is played more or because the preacher is slightly more emphatic and charismatic. We leave churches because the praise team won't sing that song we like or the sermon said something we didn't like. Maybe there are too many Republicans or too many Democrats. There aren't enough people who agree with me about guns and on and on it goes. We have church so solidly lodged in the consumeristic level that we think of all of this as normal. Church leadership all over this country asks the question, how do we grow? How can we get more people through our doors? And we think with our consumer brains, and we think things like more ads, more fun. Let's make people want to come here for this thing or that thing. Let's have a slide into a baptismal pool. That's a real thing. Or a private jet for our pastor, that's also a real thing. And we feel forced to think this way because the church is being seen as a product to be consumed. I've said to people who are leaving the church, hey, I hope that you find somewhere where you can worship even if it's not here. And inside, I struggle. I struggle because I believe it is everyone's right to find a place where they feel comfortable to worship. But are we supposed to feel that comfortable when we're dealing with a God who continually calls us outside of our comfort zones? I struggle because if you like your church, then you'll attend more and learn more and grow more. But how can we grow without opposition? And is it the church's job to make you like it? I struggle. I struggle because I don't think that's what the church is supposed to be. I don't think the church is supposed to be something that is produced and advertised and for people to consume. But I also struggle because that means that I think the church should be something else. But what? And here's where I stall out. But I couldn't just get up here and tell you all that I think the whole church is doing it wrong. That would be counterproductive and kind of insulting. So like whenever I get stuck, I go back to scripture. Arguably, the first church, the first Christian church, the first group of people that followed Jesus' teachings were the disciples. So I start there. You see, when Jesus was walking around Israel, he didn't pander to the people. He didn't say, oh, you guys are waiting for a Messiah to uh, overthrow the Roman government? All right, let's do it. No, Jesus said, hey, I know you all need help, but I'm going to give you the help that you need, not the help that you want. Do you think that there were times when Jesus' followers got mad at him or disagreed with something that he did? I do. Shoot, in Matthew 16, Jesus calls Peter Satan, straight up, to his face. Now, I'm not calling any of us Jesus, but if a pastor here called you Satan, to your face in front of all the other disciples of the church, would any of you stick around? Probably not. I wouldn't either. In the scripture that we read today, you see Jesus coming into the temple and flipping tables around like he's the Incredible Hulk. Do you think that his disciples might have thought, "Mm, I don't think that's smart. (laughs) Kind of drawing some attention to us. The Romans are definitely going to hear about this and we're going to get killed. I think they did. (laughs) 
If you followed me to Presbytery and I started flipping tables and pews and causing a ruckus about how I think that Presbytery was dishonoring the house of God, would you stay by my side? Probably not. But why not? I mean, other than I'm not Jesus. (laughs) Why not? You see, I think there's a level or a plane above both preference and consumerism. Call it meaning or purpose or a higher calling. But I think that when we make choices, when we make decisions, this level can supersede the others. I believe that this is why the disciples stuck around. Jesus' followers believed that he had a higher calling in mind for them. He had a purpose for their lives. They stayed with him because they believed that what they were doing, where they were going, the lives they were changing was worth all the risk. Jesus could call them dumb or blind or Satan, all of which he did. Jesus could flip tables and yell and scream in the temple, which he did, and the disciples would stay with him because he represented something more important than other rabbi at the time. He represented a higher level. This is where I believe the church should be. This is where I believe the church is called above whether we all agree, above whether we play the right songs, above whether or not the preacher is on fire that week, above consumeristic thinking, we are called to be about something more than that. But what? Again, back to scripture. Jesus was essentially a teacher, a preacher, a prophet who stayed local and helped those who he could. Jesus' ministry lasted only three years, but look how much of an impact it has had. I feel like this church, this specific church, is starting to mirror that with the church-wide mission. We're doing something that means more than our differences. We have set a goal, a purpose, a calling for our church, and we're moving towards that. So when you're asked by someone why they should come check out our church, it's not because our musicians are amazing. They are. It's not because our pastors preach well. Some do. (laughs) Shot at myself, not you. That's probably. (laughs) It's not because our congregation all thinks alike. It's because we are doing Something. The church is not something to be consumed by you. It is something to be moved by you. You are the lifeblood of this church. You are the breath. You are the pulse. The church nationwide is dying because we're consuming something that isn't meant to be consumed. We're letting something that isn't... Sorry. We're letting something that is meant to flow and grow and move and change and challenge and lead. We're letting it sit stagnant and rot. But not here. Not at this church. We've set out to do a new thing. We're moving toward a goal. Church isn't just sitting in a pew or a chair. 
Church isn't just singing some songs and hearing some words. Church isn't just on Sunday morning. Church is moving outside of these walls. Church is helping children with homework. Church is providing meals for families. Church is visiting those who are sick and those who are in prison. Church is providing educational classes for those who need them. Church is being in a relationship with someone no matter what their personal beliefs are. Church is standing against injustice wherever it reveals its ugly head. Church is being the voice at the front of the conversation, standing for people over policies and humans over hierarchy. And here at Presbyterian Church, we are doing church. We are not going to pander to the status quo of consumerism. No, we are called to be greater. We are not going to provide 11 different types of worship so that everyone can have one that they like. No, we are called to be together. We are not going to simply sit and watch worship like it is a show on Netflix. No, we are going to be the church and move outside of these walls and into people's lives because that is what the church is and that is what the church is for and that is what the church was made to be, and so that is what the church will be here. Brothers and sisters, as long as we have one congregant on our rolls, as long as even one follower of Christ is in this church, we will not sit stagnant. Our church will not focus on the bells and whistles. Our church will continue to move and help and live out the ministry that is Jesus' calling on our collective lives, and we will be the church as we were intended to be. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening, and if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.